Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Is there ever a time that you don't need a fresh start? Is there ever a time that you don't think about it's time for a fresh start? We think about it on New Year's Day with our good intentions and our, um, our things that we promised. We think about it on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday, I'm going to give up these things. I always need to stop here and comment that we have to be careful about the things we give up now. Louise gave up sugar this year. And, and, and she's actually doing it. It's wonderful. She has to be careful of the pride that, that she has for giving up sugar. <laughs> Louise, your modicum of, of this, bless you. So. <laughs> we'll take that off the tape, all right? <laughs> well, at the beginning of Lent, you think, ah, it's time for a fresh start. So we, we, we give up something. We surrender something. We add something on. It's, it's a new time. And maybe um, that comes also for you every Monday. Every Monday is a day for a fresh start. Or spring, now spring has just come, so spring is a time for a fresh start. If any, therefore, if anyone is um, in Christ Jesus, there is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Is there ever a time that you don't have or need a fresh start? At the same time, the question then comes, how do you get it? How do you make your fresh start? Uh, our way or God's way? You make your fresh start in God's way or do you in, in our way, the way we do it? That brings us to the prodigal son. The prodigal son decided he needed a fresh start. This prodigal, the lost boy, he needed a fresh start. He decided he was going to do it his way, his way. So the scripture tells us, the younger, the younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. Well, he wanted a fresh start, and so he asked for his share. Uh, understand this, uh, his share was nothing. He had, he had no share. The younger son, he wouldn't have inherited, and he wouldn't have inherited until the father's death. So uh, he had no share, so he was asking for something that was not even his. But if you'll give me mine, Father, I'll go make a fresh start. And here's the way we do it, on my own. On my own. So how many times have you heard a little child say um, that I want to do this and do it myself? Isn't that how we start life? Do it myself. So that's how we want to have a fresh start. We always want one, but we want to do it ourselves. Well, so this young son, the prodigal, prodigal, by the way, means wasteful. Wasteful. So this was the wasteful son. So he wasted that which his father gave him. He went off, and we know that Scripture tells us he did it with high living or low living, as you might want to say, and then went up, when then became uh, broke, became destitute. So low, so in the bottom, that he turned to some man and said, will you at least hire me out? And he was in a foreign country, meaning he was just outside of the Holy Land, the Promised Land. And this was a Gentile, and the man raised pigs. So this man said, yeah, sure, I'll give you a job. Here's a Jew feeding pigs. Nothing worse in this parable that Jesus is telling the people around him. Nothing worse could have been true. He couldn't have gotten any lower than this. And then there's a wonderful line that says this, and when he came to himself. What a, what a powerful line in Scripture. And when he came to himself, he thought, I I'm worse off than then all of my father's hired hands. I, I will turn and go back to my father. 
And this is what he said. Then he said, um, look, I'll go back to my father and I will confess. Well, uh, many of you know that that's also my story. That's my story as a young man. I, I left the NC State University with that wonderful piece of paper that said I was so smart. And in fact, I knew it told me I was smarter than my father. My father's a large farmer, cotton and peanuts, row crop farming. And so I went to him after two years, I recognized and said, you know, we're okay father and son, just okay, but we are really poor employer employee. So if you'll give me my part, just give me these 40 acres over here, I'll leave you alone and I'll go make my own way. And I did. He did and I did. And I literally built a pig farm, a large pig farm. So, I mean, I still relate to this story. Now, it doesn't exactly follow exactly the same way because in some respects it was financially successful, but it was spiritually and soul devastating. But after 10 years, I recognized that what I had done, I had really done this, I had done this out of hate, out of hurt, and out of anger. Now, you know, in that process, I learned something about worship. You know, we've talked here many times as Christians that worship is that you become like what you worship. I also learned that hate is another form of worship, folks. Another form of worship. And so, thankfully, there was a day that I came to myself. Literally, that means the Holy Spirit came to me and said, you fool. How, what shape I was in. And so I came home one night and got on my knees and I said, dear Jesus, if you're really there. Now, if you hear that, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a prayer of, of faith. It was a prayer of question. If you really are there, Save me, and I'll follow you wherever you say go. And he did. He did. My life began to change that very day. Divine appointments began to happen that were just amazing. I won't tell you all that story, but, but at, when I reached that same moment that the wasteful son did, and I came to myself, I turned to God and said, please help. And that's exactly what he did. So the prodigal son, the wasteful son, turned to go back to his father. But as, as we also hear this parable in Jesus' teaching, uh, we also have to talk about the prodigal brother, the elder brother. You see, too often we make, well, here's, here's the bad child, here's the good child. Not necessarily. Because I call the older brother the prodigal brother because he too was wasteful. What was he wasting? He was wasting love. He was wasting his father's love that his father had lavished on him all the time that he was there. But you see, this son, this elder son, he was obedient. He was so obedient that he felt he was entitled. And there is the problem. See, if, you, if, you, if you're entitled to what you're getting, it never is a blessing. It's something you earn or deserve or you're worth. And so because of that, he, he never could, uh, could recognize that he was receiving the father's love. And so when, he, when the father received the, the wasteful son back, the elder brother, the, the prodigal brother, he also got angry and said, wait a minute, you, you're celebrating because this son's returned to you, and yet I've been here all of my life. And he said this, look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your commandment, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. The elder brother wasted love. He wasted the love and attention that his father had lavished on him all those years. He felt he was entitled. He deserved what he had gotten and more. And if we listen to the Sermon on the Mount, we're told that if you deserve what you get, if you deserve what you have, it never is a blessing. God's grace and mercy was wasted. 
Well, in some respects, we need to stop for a moment and look at these two brothers, the, the younger son, the prodigal son, the prodigal brother, and remind, uh, let me remind you of Mary and Martha. Now, remember that story, Mary and Martha? Jesus come to lunch to, at Lazarus's house, and Martha, she's working very hard to serve the people who are there, and Mary, she, she sits at, the, at, the, at, the, at Jesus' knee, wants to listen to him teaching. And Martha gets angry. Jesus, aren't you tell my sloppy, slovenly, lazy sister? I add a little emphasis there, you know. <laughs> you tell her that she should be helping me. And then Jesus said, well, she's chosen the good portion. We all want to make, well, here's the good one, here's the bad one. But we know better, don't we? In fact, we, we've learned over time as we pray and read this event and this story in Jesus' life that there's a bit of both of us. Mary and Martha in each one of us. There's one of us who wants to, wants to receive and to hear the good portion, wants to hear Jesus' teaching. At the same time, there's the one of us who wants to serve and earn, earn our way because I've been the good child. It's also true for the older son and the younger son. For the prodigal son, it's also true for us that we have to recognize that we too at least had that rebellious streak in us. Now, you know, folks, as we grow older, it gets a little bit less, doesn't it? But we had that rebellious streak in us. And also that sometimes when we overcome that rebellious streak and say, okay, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to get my life in order. Then what happens is we get so, so deserving of what we get that we don't know that it's a blessing from God. We become entitled. And an entitled Christian may be the worst of all. An entitled Christian may be the worst of all. So we need to recognize that we're both, we're both of us are there. Well, there was a turning point, as I said in this, in this moment. Remember now, Jesus is teaching this parable. A parable is a teaching tool. And he's teaching it to sinners and tax collectors. Let me remind you of chapter 1, verse 1 of chapter 15. He says this. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were all grumbling. And so Jesus is using this parable to teach the sinners, the tax collectors, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and you and me, not about the elder son, not about the prodigal son, but about the father, about God. That's his point, to teach them and us about God. And so at the moment that the young son came to himself, that he had that moment in life when he knew he was hopeless, that it was worthless, that he needed help. And he turned. He turned into the most wonderful thing. He said, I will confess. I will make confession. I will trust in that. And so he said this. He said, I, he said, had thought to himself, Father, I will say this. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so from that moment, he got up and began to travel towards his father. But his father was waiting. This is the picture of God I want you to see. His father's waiting at the top of the hill, waiting, expecting the son to return. And when the son did return, the son didn't run to the father, but the father ran to him. The father ran to him and embraced him, and the son began his confession. The most powerful point, the point that comes when we say, yes, I've come to myself. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But then the father interrupts him. Did you catch that? Look in your Bible if you want to. The father interrupts him. The father does not allow him to say, I'm not worthy to be your hired servant. He stops him. 
Because the first part of the confession is true, but the second part would not be true. Because Jesus himself said, I don't call you hireling, I don't call you servant, but I've called you friend. Friend. And so that's why the father stops him. The father stops him at that moment and says, now, my son has returned, as he said to the older son. He said, for once your, father, your son was dead, your brother was dead, but now he's alive. And he's found. And so the celebration begins. God's way for a fresh start. God's way for a fresh start. As I told you that there came a day in my life when I came home one night and I too had come to myself because I couldn't get any lower. I could not get any lower. And I got on my knees. And in that moment, I too confessed. And in that moment, what happened was that I entered into God's way for a fresh start. What's our way? Our way is I do it myself. You just give me some of this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be success. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you up. I'm going to have a fresh start. But God's way for a fresh start is, now if there's anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. That's God's way for a fresh start. It's not that he has a fresh start, but he is a fresh start. A new creation. We don't just have it. We become it. That's a new creation. That creation is the same thing that John was describing in John chapter 1 when he talked about how we are children of God because of Jesus Christ that we Gentiles, we Gentiles come because we're children of God. Why? He said, we are who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. It's the same thing he was telling Nicodemus when he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. That means to become alive spiritually. And so that's how we become how we get the fresh start in Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Well, how do you get in Christ? If anyone is in Christ, do you come to church? Do you read the Bible? Do you take communion? Do you sit by the pastor? I mean, how do you get in Christ? Well, all those things are fine, but that's not the way. The way you get in Christ is the same thing that Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There now for if any, there is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Again, that in Christ business. Well, Christos is the Greek for the anointed one. The Greek for the, for the Hebrew Messiah, Mashiach, the anointed one. And so the way to be in Christ is to be in the anointed. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit with fire. Come Holy Spirit with joy. Come Holy Spirit with your gifts. Come Holy Spirit and bear the fruit. Come Holy Spirit that I might be in you and that a new creation is made in me. Not because of what I've done, but what God is going to do. Folks, that night, there I got down on my knees. Did the angels sing? Maybe. Did my life change completely? No. But it began. It was a new day for me. And led me here ultimately to you. Amazing. Um, I'll never forget my three friends who were uh, present from my college when I was ordained. And he said, Arthur, you're going to be good at this. You know all about your subject, sin. <laughs> That's called work, you know, with, you know, preparation. God's way for a fresh start. If anyone is in Christ, therefore they're a new creation. The old has passed away. The old has passed away. A new has come. What is the old things? The old refers to the old nature, natural pride, love of sin, reliance on works. 
That's the important one. Reliance on works. That's where the older brother was. Our passion, our own opinions, the form of opinions, habits and passions, and the new has come. A new heart. A new love. A new perspective. A new way. A new creation. In Christ. That's the fresh start. Therefore now, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Now, if I may, let me stop there and turn the page on this sermon. Because what I've just given you, I pray, is wonderful gospel, good news about how to have a fresh start for you this day and this Lent and in your life, and not just today, but every day. And that is, run to Jesus. There is nothing more powerful to do than to confess. And folks, it doesn't have to be just one, one every once in a while. I have to confess daily. Daily. But daily, the weight is lifted. And the glory comes and joy happens daily. At the same time, I don't want to just leave you with that because I want to make this very practical and current. This last week, our youth ministry has been affected by two young people who are friends of theirs, one who committed suicide and another who attempted but failed. Now, one of these was a, a person that the a young girl that I said, our youth ministry was dating. So our, this group has been affected profoundly by these two young people who in their questioning, in their rebellion, in their confusion, one of them took his life and the other tried. Well, you say, what are you to do about it? Well, we ought to be the reconciliation community. We ought to be the safe place. Because you see, that the younger son finally knew he had someplace safe to come. He could run to the father. Well, sometimes you're the father or the mother even if you don't know that child, or you're the grandparent, that you can be the safe place where they can come and they can say, but this is so hard because the pressure they live under, folks, is horrible. I hope you know that. It's getting more and more difficult. So we ought to be the safe place. We ought to be the parents, the grandparents, or the friends, or the godparents, or just the neighbor to be the safe place that they can come. What can you do? Uh, pray for Cindy and Scott Cave. Pray for their team who is doing such an amazing job ministering to this, these, these young people uh, in the midst of their difficulties, helping them through these things. But also, we ought to be the safe place. We ought to be the reconciliation community. We ought to be the place where they can come and say, you know, I need to tell you that I am so lost. We can be the place where they can say, I've come to myself. Now may I come to you. No, we're not God and we're not Jesus Christ. But we can be the means to him. Therefore now, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. And all God's people can say, thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.